platform listeners, it's Claudia here from Clayview. We've researched 50 UK retailers and found 80% could improve personalised product discovery. Find out how. Download our new e-commerce discovery report at clayview.com forward slash UK report. Hello and welcome to today's podcast episode from Replatform. So today we are talking about content management and using CMS platforms to improve the e-commerce customer experience. It's myself, James Gerd, and joined as always by my co-host, Paul Rogers. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, all right. It's another fun day in lockdown heaven. So another Groundhog Day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to um, the end of this now. I think I've had enough. There is no end. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps giving. Um, so we are talking about a rather important topic for e-commerce today, aren't we? Content management. And delighted to welcome James Brook and John Williams, who are the CEO and CTO at Ampliance. So welcome, gents. How are you both today? Very well, thank you, James and Paul. Great to to be here, and uh, yeah, very much looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jim. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, appreciate you both taking the time. So let me just give a quick scene setting and then you can tell, I'll leave you to tell people what Ampliance is because you'll be able to word it much better than I can. Um, for, for those who are, who are, I'm going to use the, the horrible word, but veterans of the e-commerce industry like myself, making me sound like a granddad, um, Ampliance started off as 10 CMS a long time back when I was agency side. So it's it's a technology that's evolved a huge amount over the course of the last decade. So interesting to hear, hear that kind of story. But it's a market leading API first content management system. It's recognised as a, a leader by um, you know reports like Gartner. Etc. It's got a lot of um, really, really strong uh, retail e-commerce clients on it. So what we want to talk to today is about you know, what not just about what the platform is and what it does, but some of the challenges that e-commerce teams have around content management and how a solution like Ampliance fits uh, in that space. So that's the context. So let me hand over to you both. Tell us what, what is Ampliance? So where does it come from? What's it trying to do? Thank you, James. So Ampliance actually stands for Amplified Experience. Um, we started life, as you say, um, back in the day as 10 CMS and, and were managing um, flash content, which if uh, you think about it back in sort of 2008, was really the only way to build really nice interactive content uh, as browser technology was, um, was pretty basic back in those days. Uh, and what we built, and I think you and I did a project on this many years ago, James, um, was, a, was a system we called interactive merchandising, which was all about creating shoppable media. So the ability to take that brand content that, uh, that some of those e-commerce brands just getting into e-commerce had lots of, um, so lookbooks and video and all sorts of other media assets and, and make that content much more interactive and shoppable by adding sort of product details to it. So you could kind of go inspiration to purchase in a, in a really nice, slick customer journey. Um, we realized, though, that uh, that was a fairly narrow use case. And in fact, uh, content management was a much more critical capability for, for customers. So we redeveloped all of that over the last few years, went into the cloud in 2010. So we've been a cloud native business for a long time now uh, and built um, a platform that was actually all about managing media assets called Dynamic Media. That was our first really big scalable cloud 
platform. It was a competitor to Adobe Scene 7 product. Um, we, we spent the sort of four or five years from 2012, 2016, migrating lots of very large e-commerce operations onto that platform. And what that does is automate the, the whole media production workflow from studio all the way out to sites, so all that product imagery and all the marketing imagery that needs to get into the experience is, is delivered by our dynamic media service. And then we decided to go back around the content management problem. So John and I, back in our agency days, had implemented a ton of CMS and e-commerce platforms at LBI and Sapient and various other consultancies that we'd worked for. And we had a vision for taking the same approach we'd taken to Dynamic Media, which was a kind of headless um, dam and a headless media asset management service in the cloud, and apply that to content more broadly. So we now have another platform um, product called Dynamic Content, which is really the, the, the new headless CMS. And that really helps our customers do two things. One is significantly improve the productivity in the teams managing the content process so they can create much more content than they could before using the same set of, set of folks in the content team. And increasingly, we're being used as the front-end experience management um, tool so that if you're going headless and you're using all these new modern components, maybe a commerce tools as a backend API or, a, or, or big commerce or whoever it happens to be, you sort of lose the inbuilt CMS that used to live in the e-commerce platform. That we're now we're now replacing that old CMS technology with Ampliant. So we're managing everything from navigation through page layout and, and everything else that you need to really create a very compelling experience online. Right. And um, in terms of the actual kind of content management side there, um, what are some of the kind of core features and functions that Ampliance provides? John, do you want to pick that up? Yeah, I'll get that. Yeah. So when it comes to e-com, uh, some of the most important things you need to deal with from a from any perspective is scale and performance, right? So the content has to be delivered uh, as super fast as possible because every millisecond counts when it comes to things like conversion and scale is incredibly important. We had our biggest ever uh, sort of Black Friday and peak season this year. Uh, but on top of all of those things, if you can deliver that, uh, things have to be very visual. So you, like James mentioned earlier, uh, around dynamic media, the content management system should be fully integrated into that. So providing uh, like rich media because uh, you buy from what you can see. So you need to be able to deal with that as, as a core part of the content. Uh, as well as things like scheduling is really important to uh, many retailers because uh, most of what they deliver is based on some form of calendar, whether that's some sort of seasonal event or whether it's a product launch or any of those things. So you don't really want to have business users waiting Sunday, two o'clock in the morning, ready to press the publish button. So you need to have this quite sophisticated set of scheduling. Uh, we found agility is incredibly important. Things move so fast in e-commerce and retail. You need to be able to either be agile in terms of how you deliver the content, or you need to be agile in terms of how you build the, the, the sort of modules that, that, that deliver that content. Uh, the other thing is faster content production. So one of the key things around a CMS, uh, particularly in e-commerce, is that even if your e-commerce platform has a CMS, they're not normally built to be as user-friendly as a, as a CMS developed for that, which means that it can be quite slow and arduous to develop content quickly. 
Uh, and in this world where you've got multiple channels, multiple segments, personalization, you need so much content now that actually that's one of the hardest parts of delivering e-commerce is getting enough content. So faster content production is key. Uh, and also getting back on the fact of where you deliver the content. It's important to be able to deliver the content wherever it's needed, whether that's in different parts of the purchasing path or whether that's actually in different devices from a native app, an email, a website, voice, uh, you know, uh, IoT devices, et cetera. So, I mean, today, the, the sort of demands for CMS working with e-commerce is, is actually massively escalated from the past. That makes sense. And you, you talk or you've spoken a lot about headless so far, which can be a confusing term. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I guess in, in, yeah, absolutely. And in, in the context of, uh, I guess, how, how would you, how would Amplint differ from like a traditional headless content management system? And you talk a lot there um, about some of the kind of front end aspects. So would you handle things like the content delivery as well as just the kind of management of different types of content? Yeah, as John was saying, that's absolutely key to, to the proposition is because we're all in the cloud anyway, one of the things we invested a, a huge amount of engineering effort in is building this very scalable, low balance content delivery architecture because ultimately in e-commerce, it's very high scale relative to, to other sorts of digital infrastructure. We have customers that have 150 million visits a month, you know, nearly a billion page impressions a month. So... Um, at that kind of scale, you need to be able to deliver, you know, not only a lot of content into the experience to populate these really rich and engaging customer journeys, but you also need to make sure that content is, as John said, you know, delivered extremely quickly, but with massively high reliability. You cannot possibly in our world, as you know, over peak period go down because that cost retailers a huge amount of money. So key part of our proposition is not just the production workflows and all the tools that 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 sit on the platform to make that process easier but the delivery of that content into the experience as well and let, let the headless thing is something i definitely wanted to give people let's do a kind of layman's explanation for those who are maybe haven't gone through a cms selection process before what what is the key difference with headless one for you john yeah so in the past cms would have de uh, delivered content as pre-packaged HTML. So, so what that means is that when you deliver the experience, it's already kind of encoded in templates, it's already delivered as an experience, and you're basically uh, delivering the sort of HTML which gives you that experience on the browser. So you can see, and then that's why you get the old CMSs are very WYSIWYG. You can see what you're going to do, you edit, put some content into it, you publish it, it comes out the other side and you've got a web page. So it's kind of very page centric, it's HTML centric, and it's kind of a baked out experience. The difference with headless is it doesn't actually deliver the rendering, it doesn't deliver the presentation, it doesn't deliver that experience, it delivers the content as data. So rather than HTML, it gives you something called JSON, which is the data element. And what that means is if your content is, a, is data, it can be integrated into any experience or head. So it could, if your website is the head that you have, you can deliver the, the data into that head and then render it however you want. You can then take that same data, that same content, push it into a native app and then render it within the native app in, that, in the complexity of that technology. Uh, you know, the same goes again with email and you can reformat in lots of different ways or even voice. I did some, uh, some great examples with voice where you can take the same content, push it into a voice interface 
and it kind of renders it in voice, so to speak. Uh, so the, the difference is that there is no presentation uh, experience wrapped up in what you're delivering in the CMS. You're, de you're actually delivering pure content, content as data. Wonderful. Thank you. I think that's a really nice way of, of explaining it. You're delivering data rather than the presentation experience. Um, excellent. So linked to that question is, again, for those who, who aren't maybe as, as experienced in terms of e-commerce implementations for CMSs and headlers, a lot of people will know of WordPress. It's one of the most popular global CMSs and typically used in a traditional way, not in headless, in a you edit the page and you publish it and there it is. Could you just give a bit of an explanation of where, how does Ampliance differ to a, a traditional CMS like a WordPress? Do you, want, do you want to get that, James, or do you want me? Well, maybe I'll start with that um, in the sense that um, Word, WordPress is, a, is a, actually a very useful platform, and it's really a blogging platform that's become a little bit more generic over the years, hasn't it, in terms of its capability. And I know, John, that you, know, you used to build your blog in it, didn't you? Back in yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I had a blog in WordPress. <laughs> Um, I, I guess there are a number of different um, differences between a WordPress and an Ampliance. The first thing is that Ampliance is this big multi-tenanted microservices API, cloud-native headless, this Mac infrastructure, which uh, is designed to be one application in the cloud used by thousands of customers simultaneously. So with WordPress, you typically have your own implementation of it. You've got to manage that. You've got to somehow host it. You've got to then... Um, integrate all the infrastructure in there. You've got to, to sort of administer and develop on that platform. And if there's upgrades and all sorts of other things that come along later down the track, you've kind of got to do all of that stuff yourself. And that can be really quite expensive over time. With Ampliance, you just get a set of APIs that are continually upgraded uh, all the time. So you've got a single application that everybody gets that, uh, that makes that whole process kind of much simpler and much more cost effective. You don't have to go through an upgrade cycle every sort of six, nine months. Um, you also have in Ampliance a set of tools that are that are very much more focused on the delivery of the content itself, as John was saying earlier about the headlessness of it. So rather than it being all wrapped up inside, inside a component, which looks like a little widget on the screen, um, with Ampliance, you get much more flexibility. And that makes it much better for these big enterprise use cases that we, we're engaged with now. Good example, for example, is something like Traeger Grills. Traeger Grills in the US has got a, an IoT interface on it, which um, enables you to send the recipe to the grill to control the cooking cycle. So the same content um, schema describes not just the way the recipe is presented in the app. So you can go and read, you know, how should you do your briskets and all that kind of stuff. But it also contains within it the data needed to drive the, the display. That sort of application you can't really do in WordPress. It's quite useful for putting a blog together, but it doesn't really have the capability to manage a completely different type of experience um, like the Traeger experience. So yeah, WordPress has got its place for sure. Um, I just think if you're, a, if you're a retailer with any scale and any complexity and any desire really to build an experience that happens uh, across lots of different touch points, then it's probably not gonna take you to the places you need to get to. That makes sense. Um, you mentioned the Mac Alliance, uh, which seems to be everywhere at the moment. Can you just explain to our listeners what the Mac Alliance is and essentially what the kind of goals or your combined goals and plans are? Yes, yeah, certainly. John, you're actually on the one of the technology committee, are you not, John? Yeah, I'm on the tech council. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, the Mac Alliance is basically a group of uh, organisations or sort of system integrators and vendors that all have the same mindset about how to build new architectures 
And uh, MAC stands for microservices, APIs, cloud, and headless, right? So it's those group of things. But what that really means is that, uh, that the platforms that we, we build, in terms of the architecture we build with the platforms, they are pure cloud native. So it's not some old bit of technology repurposed uh, and using sort of DevOps procedures to kind of push it onto instances. And it looks and it feels a little bit like a headlessy new system, but actually isn't. So part of what we do is to try and help develop those standards for that, for those kind of uh, technologies. So we're part of that. We have to adhere to certain standards. People join the alliance have to also uh, adhere to those standards. So you know what you're kind of getting. You know you're getting this new kind of architecture. Uh, the second sort of thing around that is actually promoting best practices because a lot of this is fairly new. So, you know, best practices around building these new headless sort of Mac architectures are not always as clear, right? Because the, the, a lot of these are quite new, especially in e-commerce. So part of what we do is to help promote some of those best practices and work with customers, work with partners, work with each other and collaborate around that. Uh, that also means that we get involved with the education of this. So actually educating what Mac is all, all about. So, uh, you know, what, what are the intricacies of Mac? How do you kind of deliver Mac? Uh, and one of the great things about all being from the same kind of mindset and same organizations and working on all, all lots of different projects and different customers is we can all collaborate and learn from each other as well. So we can like learn internally and then again, share that out both in our own organizations and our customers. Excellent. Um, yeah, there's some interesting technology uh, uh, partners in there. Uh, I know that the few of the ones on the Mac launch you already work with anyway in terms of integrations. So interesting to see where that goes. So that's good. We've I think we've given people a good introduction in terms of uh, of, of you know, who Ampliance uh, is, what you do. Um, you know this this whole thing about headless and the Mac Alliance and the reason behind it. So let's now bring it back to some of the practicalities of content management. The key question I've got, I think, will be of huge interest to a lot of um, people out there who are managing um, content within an e-commerce environment. Is what are the most common content challenges and pain points that you come up against with e-commerce businesses? And can you share a few use cases of how Ampliance helps with that? Yeah, absolutely, and, and great question. Um, so, so when we set about building the new platform, we actually did a huge amount of research because we had a ton of tier one customers, um, so big e-commerce outfits that had uh, real complexity in their content operations that we could go and do some R&D with. So we actually co-located some teams with some of our bigger customers uh, and actually just sat there and did you know proper user research around really what the problems were in content production. And, and what was really interesting was that we started to, to, to build a model that uh, started to unpick some of the key challenges in the content production flow. And what we found typically in bigger organizations was it could take weeks and, and in some cases months to go from brief all the way through to delivering a piece of content into the experience. And, and that was quite shocking, I thought sort of first up just seemed incredible that it would take you know up to a month um to to develop a piece of content going from quick. all the way through <laughs> i know and you think well you know consumers these days are you know changing behavior all the time the weather changes your personalization tech probably tells you to target something different you need to be a lot more responsive than that so so one of the big problems was, was just time it took a long time and when we unpicked 
um, why that was the case. It wasn't just that the tools were poor, although they were, and quite often customers would have 10 different tools in the organization, everything from Jira and Confluence all the way through Excel, um, Google Docs, um, you know, some content management system, but then that handed off to the e-com system and the developer then got involved to do something. It was all very complex with lots of handoffs and uh, actually was also done very waterfall. And what we realized was that, that there were really two problems here. One was that it was a very waterfall process and it was therefore very inefficient. If something went wrong in a review cycle quite late, quite late in the process, quite often the whole piece of content had to be redeveloped. So you'd go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, and because it took so long, quite often the context for that content changed by the time you got it to, to a point where it was ready to go live. So you had to go back to the beginning anyway. So what we realized is the speed was really, really important in content production. And that was actually all about putting all of the process on one platform so you can go end to end from concept to actually delivery and actually do that in a way that's far more agile from a collaboration and, and a work practice perspective so that you can get a team on it, your, your copywriters, your art workers, um, actually working in the system in such a way that you can really rapidly create prototype test preview such that you can actually get content up and running in, you know, we would say hours and days, um, you know, rather than weeks and months. And I think that was, was really the key insight. And it was all about getting if you like, the unit cost of content down such that you could do so much more with the same team. And quite often we get um, customers saying we can do 3x to 5x more content using the same set of resources. That content is far more accurately produced at a much higher quality. And that, of course, means that they can then do more interesting things You know, with the data. When you have all this great personalization tech and great segmentation and all these other things, what that enables you to start doing is start targeting that content in a much more precise way. And of course, much more targeted content and campaigns results in much higher conversion and engagement. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite nice to hear you pull out productivity um, rather than just focusing on, on the kind of features in the toolkit because it's one of the biggest challenges that, that businesses have when they have disparate teams or multiple people involved. Um, yeah, and I, I remember working with, I mean, Argos is a customer of yours I think now, but in the days when I worked with them a long time ago, they were on using Tridian as basically a, a um, FTP to push content that had been created in Excel using macros up into a website. And it's amazing how even in some of the biggest <laughs> companies massively successful online, they yeah. sometimes have creaking infrastructure behind the scenes. Well, that's it. And they've evolved over time. And I think the other challenge for all of these big companies is that the consumer has evolved so rapidly, right? You've got you've gone from a very desktop-oriented experience to one that is very mobile-centric. Um, there's a combination of website, storefront, PWA, apps, native apps in store. You know, there's an awful lot of content management, which is about delivering the store experience these days, which is quite digital for, for some of our customers. Uh, and every time you added one of these new channels and a new digital sort of experience, typically you added another CMS, you know, even if it was a sort of half-baked internally developed thing. And then, of course, you've got a synchronization orchestration issue, which is I've got all these experiences and how do I get content into them simultaneously? Well, the reality is you go as fast as the slowest workflow. So I, I think over time, the world is, starts quite simple. You've done your lovely replatform, right? You've got a brand new infrastructure. Five years in, it's a spaghettified mess. <laughs> yes, Frankenstein's monster, which is common to enterprise-level businesses. But a related question, actually, on that is one of the big challenges that, that I see in a lot of businesses is 
They have staging and production environments, and that's great because they test stuff before they put it live, but they don't have a workflow for um, content release from staging into live. I have to recreate it all from scratch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where do you guys fit into that piece to help take away that pain and time? I'm glad you've asked that because John can answer that one um, very elegantly, I think, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, the trick about stage, uh, having the separate production and staging environments is to not have a staging environment, technically, is my answer. So we do everything through an API, right? That's the whole point of you know, the Mac Alliance and things like that. So we had this challenge where you know, we, we, you're a sort of a, a huge platform. You've got loads of uh, customers all creating content at the same time. If we had to create in separate environments for every single customer, we'd need tens of thousands of them, right? It just it just wouldn't scale for us as a business, and it's just really awkward for a customer. And uh, in however many staging environments you've got, you need more. So you need a staging environment for the campaign you've got next week. You need a staging environment for the week after. You need a, another quick staging environment because you want to get something out quickly. So you've got, all, and, and then you've got to sync the content. As soon as you sync the content with one environment, it's invalid for another. You know, you know the issues, right? So we've got to wear, rid of all that. So what we have are what we call kind of virtual staging environments. So rather than have a physical kind of store of stuff, we basically use the APIs in our own system to generate those kind of uh, those environments. So basically, every single user in our system can have their own environment, but not only just one environment, they can have limited number of environments based on time, based on where the content is stored in our repositories, based on a whole bunch of different dimensions. Uh, and what that allows you to do, because one of the key things, uh, if you think in retail, is you're going to run a campaign uh, we had lots of customers that did this procedure of walk the wall. They would print out all of their designs and all of their content, uh, stick it on a wall, and people walk around and make sure that that was actually what they wanted to deliver, right? Then they would put it in the CMS, then they would try to sync up an environment and see if it would work. Uh, with what, we, what we've done is collapse that process so that you can basically create the content, create the calendar, choose a point in time, say, what does, what does the content look like at that point in time? Uh, you, get a, you can click through, see it in the app or website or channel that you're actually delivering that content to. So not that's the next level of complexity. So you can see it in context, share it with everybody else in the organization through, say, an email link. And uh, every, so you, basically you're just distributing all of these staging environments linking it into preview, linking it into visualization, and it's all enabled through a set of APIs uh, rather than kind of, you know, hand-cranking synchronization and waiting a day for all your content to move over. Yeah, so essentially we've, we've, got a, we've done away with the staging, staging problem really completely. So you can preview in the end, end user environment, in the live environment if you want um, without actually that affecting the live environment, we just do a very neat integration through the APIs. So, you know, you get preview um, in a really high fidelity way. We think this is more useful for customers than, than the traditional process where you had the file sync and everything else because um, it gives you far more flexibility. But as John said, you know, the reality is we've got customers that have, you know, the system is being developed all the time. We've got every developer's got their own environment. They want to actually preview in their environments too. So, this API approach to staging essentially does away with the need for file replication, and that's a massive win. 
Okay. Um, and then I have another question. So a key selling point of Ampliance is that whole kind of configuration or content configuration piece as opposed to needing a developer. Yeah. Um, and some of the stuff you've talked about so far has been kind of interactive content or kind of managing rich content. Um, can you just talk us through kind of how this works in practice and kind of some of those kind of, um, yeah, richer content features that you have? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the content in Ampliance is stored as data, and that sounds not very creative friendly at all. I know. <laughs> so, but the reality of the tooling is that that doesn't that doesn't matter. We can actually render the content in the experience from the business user's perspective uh, in as rich a, a variety as as it needs to be previewed in. So, you actually get to see exactly how your content is being configured and changed in real time as you're doing it because of the way that we set up preview and visualization. Um, so we've got lots of different tools that come out of the box uh, that enable you to do that. We've got nice integration with things like our media platform. So you can take an image through, you can define different crop areas, you can set up you know, hotspots and create shoppable media in the way that you used to be able to do so um, back in the day with, with, with 10 CMS and interactive merchandising. So you can, you can create bespoke um, what we call a UI extension, but, a, but it's really a, a very specific tool for a particular type of content that gives you the sort of visual configuration that you need. And that can be drag and drop. It can be uh, all about uh, layout. It could all be all about um, visualization of things like navigation and taxonomy. Um, we've, we've got a whole palette now of these really nice integrated tools that uh, you can just apply to different sorts of content. Um, and the nice thing about that model as well is that because you build the, the, the sort of configuration tool around the content type, uh, it means that rather than having one generic interface that has to work for everything and therefore is really quite complex to train people on and all the rest of it, we've actually got a relatively simple base interface that you can extend in any dimension. And that, of course, just makes for a, a much better business user experience. Um, but of course, we have to do a bit of setup and configuration. All that, you know, it, it, the, the cost of that sophistication is is a little bit of complexity in setup, and we have to get involved and, and do a little bit of integration. But again, we've done so many of these things now; much of that is is sort of pre-canned as well. Right, and um, and a lot of the kind of more mainstream e-com platforms, so particularly Shopify, Magento, and Big Commerce, have um, introduced page building or kind of light CMS um, functionality over the last year or two. Um, what's the and, and the same principle applies to Salesforce as well. Yeah. Um, and what is the business case for an e-commerce team then investing in Ampliance? So, as John alluded to a little earlier, those tools are generally quite basic and. I would argue are mainly focused on demoing better than actually supporting a real business process for many of those customers. If you're a very simple content use case, then they're probably reasonably capable enough. But most of our customers, even when they have a reasonably so-called sophisticated CMS baked into the e-com product, uh, very quickly hit the limitations of that because, of course, um, they, they just don't have the engineering resources to, to build a full-blown CMS into the platform. And so what you end up with is something which is visually sort of interesting. You can maybe move some content components around on a template. But the actual production process itself is normally assumes that you've either got the HTML or you're going to edit directly using a little WYSIWYG editor into a content area. Um, you, you know, the minute that you start you know, losing the headlessness, then all your content is then baked into that presentation. So it all lives in the storefront, literally. Um, so you don't get any reuse whatsoever. Uh, and you can't actually then get that content out to do anything else as well. So let's imagine you've got a native app 
storefront, you've got a, a loyalty management app, you've got something in store that the that the assistants are using to to sort of drive a better associate experience. You probably want the same content experience consistently across all three or four of those things. But if your content is baked into your storefront using one of the editors that you just described, then you could have to go and recreate it all again. So the minute that you become a little bit more sophisticated, you've got more than one channel, you've got um, some personalization use cases in there where you need different content variants for different segments, um, is where those tools typically break down. And then you you really do need to, to invest in something that, that provides that sort of flexibility and capability. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, a, a lovely question, Chuck, you know, as well, is our approach on this podcast is, is no no technology, no platform is ever 100% perfect for every use case. It's impossible to be. Um, so what do you perceive as Amplius's current, say, feature gaps versus other experience platforms um, or areas where you're not going to try and be a market leader because that's not the core to, to what you do? I think um, interesting question that one and, and when you look at other cms platforms particularly the older ones right the web cms's if you like the more legacy folks that have uh, grown up in a desktop web environment and now sort of trying to trying to do things in the new way they sort of reached reached the end point in terms of functionality they could deliver so they started adding in all sorts of things you know you get personalization you get campaign management you might get email you might get um, you know all sorts of sort of integrated tools and capabilities into those platforms that uh, add value beyond the, the basic content process. Um, so they've, they've, they call themselves, as a result, experience management because it's sort of about using the data as much as it is using the content to create that experience. And I think that's if you're, if you're using them as a website management tool, then that's probably quite a reasonable approach. Um, we see the world slightly differently, don't we, John, which is it, it's all about actually being very, very good at what we do and not... Um, trying to uh, recreate the wheel and do things outside of our, our wheelhouse, um, things that are really best handled by personalization engines or marketing segmentation and campaign management. We think that that, that Ampliant should stick to its knitting and do its, do its stuff well and increasingly better and that we shouldn't you know, stray into those adjacent use cases and try and build a sort of monster suite because we feel that the whole microservices approach is all about modularity and about being and having really the freedom to choose, if you like, all of those different pieces. So, so what? A, yeah, relative to some of those older platforms, um, we don't have some of those capabilities, James. But um, we would argue that's not a downside because we we think you can nowadays actually get best of breed capabilities for personalization and everything else, rather than us trying to sort of shoehorn something into the platform to tick a, an analyst box that uh, we don't think is necessarily much value for customers in the long run. Yeah, I guess that's one of the principles of the the, the, the Mac Alliance. And also, I, I don't like the new word that's come out, composable commerce, but everyone <laughs> seems to be talking about it. It's the next part. It does seem to be the new thing, doesn't it? Yes. Okay, so, so, so like, hang on a minute. We confuse people with headless and they still don't get it fully right. Let's call it composable. That'll do. We'll, cha we'll change the technology for this year. Um, but that, that whole approach, though, makes sense to me. The openness and the fact that you can easily plug in best of breed in different areas through that API and data exchange. So that makes perfect sense. Um, so related question then, 2021, it's going to be a, a fun year for everybody. What, what's the plan? Like, where are you going with the market proposition and uh, any, uh, any big things coming down the line in the roadmap? Well, I'll, I'll leave the roadmap bits to John. I think I'll, I'll talk a little bit about strategy and where, where we want to get to. 
Uh, I think there is a huge requirement to simplify a lot of the, the sort of underlying technology from a customer's perspective. We think there's this huge gap really between what you should be able to do and what you can do in practice. And when you go and talk to most, most customers, and I'm sure you see this all the time, they've got a massive backlog of kind of experience change that they want to make, but actually they just can't do because it's a developer-oriented task. Each one of these tasks has got lots of interdependencies. You've only got eight delivery slots in the year in terms of new functionality. It's a terrible prioritization all the time and a bun fight between all the functions to get things done. And that's because it's really fundamentally experience lives in code um, for most of our customers because it's sort of wired into the, the, the templates that underlie that experience in their old CMS and, and e-commerce platforms. Our ambition is to move all of that experience management and configuration out of code into content so that then it becomes much more malleable and, and it's something that non-technical folks can make changes to. We think that opens up a huge range of, of really exciting opportunities to, to be much more test-driven and experiment-driven in terms of optimizing your experience. I think the one of the one of the great adages um, that that I read sort of recently was um, was around this whole idea of sort of using data to, to drive product development and, and, and experimentation. I think it was Jim Bartsdale. He was uh, back in the day, the, the, the CEO or president of Netscape, you know, and uh, when he sort of, what he said always resonates with me, which is, look, if it just comes down to opinions, let's go with mine. I'm the CEO. But if you've got the data, let's talk about the data. And I think that approach is really the approach that should infuse all e-commerce shops, but it's all very well having the data in the insight, but you've actually got to be able to action it. I think that's really where it, where it breaks down. So we're all about closing that insight action gap by, by moving more of those experience management tasks into a nice content management interface. Um, so that's sort of the, the direction of travel, if you like. John, do you want to pick up on any of that? Yeah, I mean, there's sort of three areas that we're focused on in terms of the development. There's the, uh, sort of like James was saying, the user experience kind of, elements of it and uh, we'll be delivering loads of new features into our APIs that allow you to have much more control over the user experience. Uh, I think the difference, if I just get something right, with old sort of DXP CMS platforms, they were about controlling the glass, right? They were about, they were in the glass controlling the glass, controlling experience. Uh, but what what you need to do in the new world is control it, but not be part of the glass. So just still allow you to help control the UX elements. And we're doing lots of things around that from everything from managing your uh, sort of navigation, your site hierarchies, uh, your component models, because now everything's an app, you need to kind of orchestrate all of these different components, both content experience and data. So we're doing a whole bunch of things around that. Uh, Another part of what we talked about earlier around the integration and, and between all the different systems is that we're adding a way of uh, joining other systems, data repositories and information repositories with our own. Uh, we do, I think we didn't explain this earlier, but all of our content we hold as a graph. It's a very mathematical term, but basically what it means is everything's a component that's interlinked. And basically what we'll allow you to do is take your third part, your, your own on repos, your repositories of data from other systems and join them into our graph. So then you can use things like GraphQL, which is another big uh, new uh, piece of functionality and, and uh, uh, sort of uh, new thing out there in the, in the world that we're 
implementing that allow you to join all of our graphs of data with other people's graphs of data. Uh, so you can have this joined up orchestrated experience. And then there's another big uh, issue that we have evolving in the industry, actually, in e-commerce, which is around, well, I don't want to, I've got best of breed kind of systems, but I don't want to switch between every single uh, system in lots of different tabs all of the time. Uh, so we spent a lot of time doing what we call uh, UI extensions. So the ability to actually bring in uh, other systems APIs into the experience that you're managing. So you can add things into your content, you can see data from different places, you can look at analytics, uh, uh, product catalogs, everything. You can basically pull everything from other systems into our system, just the same as you can take all of our system and pull it into other people's system, but you can visualize it in our platform. So that'll just the reason why we're doing that is it will help users in terms of the user experience of managing content and managing experience itself. It will allow you to basically create more richer experiences at front end across all the different channels and allow you to basically integrate all of these data repositories together. So, I mean, that's kind of, in a nutshell, what we're doing. We get all that done this year, John, I'll be very happy. Yeah, yeah. no, you always say that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a public commitment. Uh, if you noticed, I said the direction that we're going in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there is the difference between the CEO and the CTO, uh, in a nutshell. Indeed, indeed it is. <laughs> the reading between the lines, you've delivered all of that by uh, by end of Q3. <laughs> um, okay, fantastic. Paul, there, that's covered all the key questions I had. Paul, were there any other uh, burning questions you had for James and John? No, absolutely. no, I think that's um, really good. Yeah, and no, I, I haven't used Ampliance before, so it's, it's really interesting like hearing more about how you differ from some of the kind of standard CMS solutions and headless CMS solutions out there. Good stuff. Well, thanks, guys. Been, been a good chat. Yeah, really appreciate you both coming on. Uh, it's great to chat as always. If our listeners want to learn more or want to get a demo, for example, uh, who do they reach out to and how? I think the best place to go is go to, go to the site itself, Ampliance.com. Um, there's a request a demo um, button there, and uh, one of our very competent ADR team will give you a ring and uh, set something up or uh, drop us a line. Um, you can contact me direct, james at Ampliance.com or uh, john at Ampliance.com. Fantastic. And thanks to everyone, as always, for listening. If you've got any questions around content management for e-commerce uh, related to any of the topics we covered today, feel free to reach out to myself or Paul. We're always happy to continue the conversation and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.